Welcome to the Champions Run Show. My name is Jason Gold, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, Dan Titus. Dan, how are we doing today? What's good, Jason? Doing great, man. Uh, it's been a crazy week of football and all things uh, sports, man. I know the summer league's going on right now. I've lost a little bit of money betting on those uh, Detroit Pistons, unfortunately. So I think I'm ready to turn the page here. Let's talk about some football. All right, let's get into it. It's going to be a big fantasy football podcast here. We're going to talk players to buy in all draft formats guys that we love this year, guys to sell, a do-not-draft list, if you will, steal something out of the Matt Berry playbook here. And then we're going to talk a little preseason, some QB battles, some rookies to watch, what we're excited for as games kick off, officially preseason week one, tomorrow night, Thursday. So let's start with our players to buy. Dan, how about some quarterbacks that you're looking to draft across all leagues this season? Yeah, I'll start with the first one. I think the the name that comes to mind is Jalen Hurts. And I know that there's some rumors swirling around Deshaun Watson possibly being interested in going to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the, the interest seems to be mutual. But I'll be honest, man, it's going to be a heavy lift for the Eagles to pick up someone like Deshaun Watson with all the legal stuff that's going on with him. And honestly, Jalen Hurts is super cheap. And if you're looking for fantasy upside, it's really fantasy gold when you have these dual threat quarterbacks and you know, the, the Kyler Murray's the Lamar Jackson's of the world are going to be off the board. And Jalen hurts is someone that could fall to you in those mid tier rounds that could un- end up being a top five fantasy quarterback. And right now fantasy pros has him ranked at number 11. I have him at number nine. I think that this guy could definitely exceed that ADP by just the sheer opportunity on the ground that he's going to have and the knock on Jalen Hurts has really been his uh, completion percentage and we've already seen through Eagles camp that he's already improved that he's hitting his targets I was actually kind of surprised to see that Zach Ertz is still around I think that he'll probably still be traded eventually but another guy I'll talk about later is his rapport with Dallas Goddard but either way even with Devontae Smith not in the lineup I think Jalen Hurts is still going to have a phenomenal season with the Eagles projected to be a less than 10 win team in a really bad, really, really bad NFC East division. So I'm expecting them to just stack up and run up the score a bunch of a bunch of ways. And I think Jalen Hurts and the Eagles will certainly be playing from behind enough that he's going to have a lot of fantasy value. I I like the Hurts pick, especially if you're going to wait past like the top six guys, he would be I have him ranked eighth behind Rodgers. But if you took Hurts ahead of Rodgers, I'd wouldn't feel bad about that. Uh, I love his, obviously his rushing provides such a floor that you're not going to find from basically there's probably three or four quarterbacks in the NFL. that are going to, that are going to go, who are going to be better rushing than he is. Uh, So the floor is just fantastic there. Um, I, I'm not probably as high as him on him as a passer, but that's okay. You don't necessarily need it. If if you're telling me he's going to rush, if he's going to rush for 600 yards and you know five touchdowns this year, great. He's already like a RB two, exactly. like so exactly. So I'll take that from the quarterback all day. Uh, so I, I definitely like that pick. My number one on the board for me right here would be, and I wouldn't have said this a week ago, but the shoulder injury kind of threw this in is Dak because I feel like, and I've seen in some mock drafts that he's dropping to be QB six or QB seven. Okay, great. I'll take him there. I firmly have him as my quarterback two this season. And as long as his shoulder's healthy and it looks like it's going to get better, that's not something that's going to be long-term. It's more of a muscle strain. It's not actually structural. Uh, okay, cool. 
I'll let this pass on him. I'll take Kyler and Josh Allen and Lamar, who are all great. But I'll take Dak, who has QB1, QB2 upside. I'll take him at QB6, and I'll run and be happy. I can't I can't argue with it. I mean, the only – obviously, the, the, the elephant in the room is the injury risk. But all things that I've read thus far from the beat writers is that this MRI that he's getting on his shoulder is merely precautionary, and he's still expected to start for week one. Even if he – let's say hypothetically – he doesn't start for week one. I still feel like you're getting a very valuable quarterback. I mean, this guy was the QB one through the first four weeks of the season because he was slinging it everywhere. And he has the a trio of the best wide receivers that you could possibly have in the league at his disposal right now. So, you know, the upside of Ezekiel Elliott looking more slim and lean, this offense is going to be a powerhouse. The problem with the Dallas Cowboys is their defense freaking sucks. So, as I was just har- harping on with the NFC least, he's playing in a great division where he could rack up a ton of fantasy stats. So even if he's not there week one, I think you're still getting a really good quarterback, you know, mid tier. If you can get him and that around that six to eight range, you're you're actually getting some amazing value for a guy that could lead the NFL in in passing yards and be up there in touchdowns as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we talk about in fantasy football all the time. If you have a shitty defense. It's great for fantasy. You love playing from behind. You love those garbage points. So, sure, let's draft a quarterback that has one of the worst defenses in the NFL. It's probably not going to get any better this year. Although, having seen hard knocks, let me tell you, Micah Parsons got me all fired up. (laughs) He looks like a baller already. Such a value pick, and we were talking about it uh, when we were back doing our draft pod. And, uh, man, I'm not surprised that this guy was was with first round, easily top 15 pick. And, for them to get him where they got him, I was worried for the Eagles' sake, the fact that they're going to have to face this guy two times a year every single time. And that always just seems to be the the issue with the Eagles or the Giants or the Redskins. Like, they always draft these beast-ass players that always wind up hurting my Eagles later down the line. But that guy looks like he's going to be a monster. Great pickup. Yeah, absolutely. you have any other quarterbacks that you're trying to target? Yeah, so a late-round guy that I think is going to be pretty valuable that I just scooped up in a redraft. I had my first redraft um, draft in a home league last week, and I picked up Justin Fields. Everything I've heard out of camp from Justin Fields is that this guy's the commensurate pro. He's already looking like he's learning the playbook. He's extremely comfortable. He's hitting the receivers in the spots that he needs to, and he's making the right decisions. And what we do know is that Andy Dalton's a regular-ass quarterback, like, He'll probably start for a little bit of time and then it's going to be the keys to the kingdom for Justin Fields. And when you have Allen Robinson as your main receiver, Darnell Mooney has been climbing up ADP as well because he's a very good receiver and don't sleep on, you know, the the running game that they have established last year in David Montgomery. I think he actually has a pretty good infrastructure and baseline to have a a good fantasy season. And the guy's freaking huge. He's like six, three, he's Kyler Murray with size. So if this guy gets in the open field and has a chance to, you know, hit that other gear or, or steer past a defender. Look out, man. You're going to have another fantasy gold on your, on your, on your hands there and a late round draft. And he's probably going to be a stash guy for you in a, in a one QB league, but you always got to have some insurance policies. And this could be one of those guys that comes in mid season and just turns the fantasy landscape um, into a whole new realm. So in our big FSGA league, the champions league, we took Dak in the fifth round or fifth or sixth round, but we took fields in like the 14th at just as an insurance policy. We're really high on him. And I actually think either fields or Trey Lance to take as a guy, as long as you get your QB one early on, 
or even if you wait and get like a Stafford or a Tannehill guys I'm talking about in a minute, you got to back those guys up with something. I think why not go get a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, let them wait. You don't have to use them, but they're again, we're talking about rushing floors. They're rushing floors so high. Both of those guys in good offenses or what should be good offenses. Right. Uh, I think that they're going to have huge value towards the end of the season. And remember, we get an extra week this year. So these guys are going to have one more week to get ready here. So if you have Great to wait point. till week five, six, seven, your playoffs in most leagues are pushed back a week now. So you're going to get yeah. an extra week of development here. I, I think yeah. that Lance and Fields, uh, absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. Those guys are definitely to target. Yeah, reading the tea leaves a little bit more, you know, Kyle Shanahan's been really supportive of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's like the only thing that I'm like a little bit more hesitant on taking Lance over Fields because everything I've heard from Nagy about Fields is amazing. Whereas like I keep on hearing about Trey Lance is he needs to grasp this and he's not quite there yet and all this other stuff. And it's probably smoke like Kyle Shanahan never tips his hand. I mean, we know what the RB by committee situation is, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But, you know. I think you have a better bet on Justin Fields getting on the field before Trey Lance, but we'll see. Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of other guys that I have that I wanted to touch on. Uh, if you're going to wait past six, which is like the Dak Kyler range, uh, I and as much as I love Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert and those guys, I would probably pass on that range and I would wait a little bit. I, I really would have had Burrow in this kind of like target this guy late, but all the reports out of camp is that he's trash. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of waiting on that. I'm kind of waiting on that one. Uh, but T- Tannehill is a guy that'd be targeting late. Remember this guy is, let's say used to be, used to be a wide receiver. The guy can run a little bit. He's good in the red zone and scoring rushing touchdowns. And now he's got Julio and he's got AJ. Uh, I think that's a guy good for, and also the last two years when he's been playing, he's like a top eight quarterback. Uh, so Tannehill, I like Stafford is kind of a little bit more of a hope and pray situation. Like wait till the end, uh, of your drafts for that one, maybe like the QB, like 10 to 12 range. Um, but his upside with McVay and those wide receivers, I mean, is off the charts. The guy we've heard all off season, maybe he's an MVP candidate with the Rams. If so, okay. That's a great fantasy buy there. And the other one is actually the guy you got traded for him, which is Jared Goff. And I only say this in super flex leagues. If you need a second quarterback and you're going to wait till the very end. And the only reason I'm going to say Goff is that is this. Their defense is so trash. They're so horrible. Goff oh, may be Goff may be awful for the first three quarters of games. He's going to put up 200 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter of quite a few games this season and just like feed you all of the garbage out of the trash and you're going to love it. So someone that maybe you want to take late in a deeper league. So a couple of thoughts there. Uh, start off with Tannehill. I'm in complete agreement. And he actually, I had him on my must buy list because Tannehill has been spectacular since he's been the starting quarterback of the Titans. And over his last 26 games, just for perspective, when compared to Patrick Mahomes, he has a better passer rating, 111 versus 103. He has 66 total touchdowns to Mahomes 58. He does trail him in passing yards, but again, we're talking about mobile quarterbacks here and don't sleep on Tannehill on the ground. He can definitely run and put it down. And then also completion percentage. He has the edge over Patrick Mahomes, 67 to 65. So this dude is a stud. Like 
and Patrick Mahomes is usually one of the first quarterbacks, if not the first quarterback off the board. So you're getting extremely good value if you can wait on on Ryan Tannehill beyond those Justin Herberts and Aaron Rodgers. I do think Aaron Rodgers will have a really good season in his farewell tour, but Justin Herbert, new offense, new head coach, new offensive coordinator, and then a better established um, offensive line. I think he's going to have a bit of regression here. And what you're buying of the Justin Herbert of last year is not going to be what this, this year is. He's still going to be a good quarterback, but I'd rather wait for someone like a Ryan Tannehill on your point of Jared Goff, man. I can't disagree more. I want no parts of this guy. Like, and I, I'll talk about one of my I'll talk about one of my favorite tight ends, but he's literally has no one to throw to. So at this point, it's like DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. And then there's no one like Prashad Perryman. No, nah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Tyrell Williams. Mm. Even if he does get garbage stats, do you really have the balls to throw him out there as your second quarterback? Like, I might as well wait on like a Tua or shit. I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than 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 Jared Goff. But assuming he's going to be there, of course. But you got to really be in the trenches to to trot out Jared Goff. Like I'd almost probably start a wide receiver if it's PPR over that, because I don't know that I can trust that he can put up 15 points with how bad that offense is also going to be on top of having a bad defense. I love, I love it. I, we should have a bet on Goff at some point. I would take Goff so far ahead of Baker and Tua. I can't even tell you. Let's do it. Baker's, Baker's going to have like 15 pass attempts a game. Why pass the ball when Nick Chubb rushes it for seven yards a carry? Like, what's Bro. who cares? And then Tua, okay, Tua's going to throw thirty-three interceptions this year. He's going to try Ryan and push Patrick. The, he's going to try and throw the ball down the field to Jalen Waddle on his little noodle arms. Not going to get it past the fifteen-yard line. Get out of here with the Tua stuff. I'm, I'm just kind of joking, but like maybe no, not. no. I think it's it's either way. That's still mid-tier trash. That you know, if you're having to resort to that in a two quarterback league it's it's what you're gonna have to deal with unfortunately but for one quarterback you shouldn't have to touch it i'm not saying it's good like we played in the scott fishbowl i took herbert and i took russell wilson like i had i wanted no part of getting a second qb in in golf percent right right but i'm saying (laughs) if you're forced into the situation you could do worse than having a quarterback who's just gonna eat trash and (laughs) score points at the end of your game he may be trash but he'll eat it too so oh well (laughs) All right, let's move into some running backs. Some running backs that we like. Uh, I'll let you take the floor on this one. Yeah. So the first one I got, I'm gonna go with uh, a person who probably slid a little bit, and unfortunately, a lot of redraft leagues or the drafts haven't started yet. But I think the value for Jonathan Taylor definitely slid. We talked about it last week, and you know, you had him going into the second round, and I had him still in the late first. And long behold, Quentin Nelson said he's going to be ready for Week One, as well as Carson Wentz. I barely downgrade this guy, like only two spots. And I think he's still very much well a a top running back. You know, I have him as high as I had him as high as six. I dropped him down to nine. I still think now he's in that sweet spot of seven or eight. But you got to you got to scoop up Jonathan Taylor, man. I'm not worried about Naeem Hines taking out, you know, his passing down work. I think we saw the end of the season. This guy was fully capable as a three down back. Not worried about Marlon Mack post Achilles injury. He's still working his way back. So. This is Jonathan Taylor's backfield, especially with Carson Wentz's injury. I think they're going to lean on the run game a lot more. They have a great offensive line. Sign me up for all that. I mean, you guys know how I feel about JT. I think he's going to have a big year. And the fact that Wentz and Nelson are going to be back. I mean, if you got the week of value there, great right. for you. Uh, I think his, his ADP is only going to go back up now, I would assume, unless there's some sort of uh, 
issue with Wentz or Nelson coming back for week one, but it doesn't seem like at all that there's a 12 week recovery for either of those guys. They're going to be back in the first couple of weeks. So yep. I have no problem taking JT at this point. Uh, I have three guys that I want to mention uh, kind of mid round guys. I, you guys know who the guys are at the top. Like the running backs are, are there. If you want to nitpick on the tiers, okay, whatever. I'm talking about your RB2. If you want to wait on them, which I think is the right strategy this year, which is hero RB, get your wide receivers and tight ends, and then go back for your second one. The second one I want to talk about, Damien Harris, the Patriots, Chase Edmonds, and Javante Williams. Uh, I'll touch on them quickly. Damien Harris, I think, has the capability to be the first Patriots. And then we're different. going to be now a lot more and they're going to be very successful doing that uh the chase Edmonds one he's just so valuable out of the backfield and what he's gotten play over the last two years he's been very productive he has kenny drake out of the way i don't believe in james connor and or his injury history uh him being able to hold up for a long time uh and i think Edmonds is going to find the end zone a lot and he breaks off such big plays i, I just think that in that offense he could be super dynamic uh javante williams Someone that I think is going to take over from Melvin Gordon way sooner than anyone else believes. Um, I think that Melvin's probably going to be done by about week six as being the lead back there. And I think that Javante is one of those guys, much like a lot of the rookies were last year. You saw a J.K. Dobbins and a Jonathan Taylor that brought teams that drafted them as running back twos last year and brought them to titles because they took off in the second half of the season. I think Javante is that type of guy this season that if you draft him as your RB2 can end up as an RB1 type of player. By the time we get to weeks 14, 15, 16. Totally agree. Um, all in for J J uh, Javante Williams, because I think M Melvin Gordon just really is old and he sucks. So totally, totally <laughs> in for that. And um, a couple of other guys that I wanted to touch on as well for mid tier backs. I'm really high on Zach Moss. I know he's going through some, some hamstring soft tissue issues, but I think overall the feedback has been very positive in terms of his progression into year two. And, you know, I think Devin Singletary is going to be he's still going to be involved. But I think the goal line work is primarily going to be now that they just paid Josh Allen out the ass. I think it's time to start paying those running backs. And I think he's going to see a, a bit of a touchdown. Or I think he's going to normalize to the mean a little bit more in terms of his the running backs scoring potential there. And I think Zach Moss, we're going to be looking at anywhere between 15 and 20 touches a game. They're going to lean on the run game a little bit more, not waste, waste the, the talent and arm of Zach of Josh Allen. Even though they have such a dynamic wide receiving core, I think we'll see a little bit more of a balanced offense. Next guy I want to talk about was Miles Gaskin. He's another guy. It's super cheap that if you're going zero RB, he'll probably be sitting there along with the Chase Edmonds of the world and the, the Zach Mosses and so forth. And Miles Gaskin in 10 games last year averaged 97 scrimmage yards per game. So this is a guy that's going to be active in the passing game and also the uh, the rushing game. And and Tua sucks, so you know they got to do something else in order to move the ball. So sign me up for Miles Gaskin. I don't think Malcolm Brown is going to be any kind of a factor in terms of fantasy production. And then you got Salvin Ahmed, that Savan Ahmed, that might, you know, he might eat into his carries a little bit, but not enough that it's going to take away from the RB one in 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 uh, Miami, which is Miles Gaskin. I, I like the Gaskin one a lot. I actually I have a lot of stock in Ahmed just as a backup because I think he's the clear number two there, and he might mm -hmm. cut into it a little bit. But for where his ADP is and how people kind of forget about that Gaskin like kind of even, even exists sometimes, 
yeah. I, I think that I think that that's a, a pretty good buy. Uh, let's move over to wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, some guys that you're trying to buy into across the board. Yeah, so I'll go deeper with it. I know you're a huge CD Lamb stan, CD Lamb stan, and as as I am, as am I, I can't freaking speak. Um, I think he's the best wide receiver out of the Cowboys, and I think you're going to see that ascension. He had, you know, 80. I think he had like what 70 ish targets, or excuse me, catches last year. I think we're going to see that well over 80 this year, and maybe into the 90s. But um, one guy I want to talk about was Jerry Judy. We've heard Cortland Sutton has kind of taken a little bit of time to get into his breaks and and really hit those routes. I think this is only screaming more value for Jerry Judy to kind of climb up the ADP. And this guy's going to be a stud. He's an elite route runner. He proved out even with shitty Drew Locke as his quarterback, he can produce. And KJ Hamler can't catch the ball. And you have Tim Patrick to compete with really for catches if Cortland Sutton is slowed to enter the season. And with a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot, I think Jerry Judy is going to be soaking up a ton of targets. So I think he's a really solid wide receiver, too, that could probably flirt with wide receiver one numbers on certain weeks, depending on the opponent. The other guy I want to talk about is Elijah Moore. And this guy has also been climbing up draft boards. And you can't deny it. The, all of the beat writers are saying how amazing this guy is in camp. He's already taken on the alpha role as a receiver, despite having a plethora of options around him. He's already building that rapport with Zach Wilson. Not sure how good the Jets are going to be, but that's okay. You know, they have a really good head coach. I think they'll start to turn around and have a more, they'll become a more formidable opponent. But either way, they're going to be chucking the ball. And I think Elijah Moore is going to be very busy in his rookie season. I couldn't agree with the Elijah Moore one more. And he's also on my list. I think he's going to do absolutely. Some of the other guys that I'm targeting here would be, well, we know how I feel about C.D. Lamb. I, I get it. I'll stop talking about it at this point. <laughs> uh, Russell Gage is someone that I've talked about all offseason with the amount of targets that are available in Atlanta and based on where he's being drafted. Uh, I, you know, a, a lot of people that were sharp were targeting him early on, and let's say people that are drafting in June and July, and I think that as right. people get into the season, kind of people are forgetting about him a little bit more when it comes to redraft which is great for people like me. Um, but people like you out there who are listening should be targeting a guy like Russell Gage, who has the potential to have over hundred targets this season. Uh, yeah, I'd also say yeah. you could also grab him on in dynasty, probably for pretty cheap, like a couple f- future firsts or something or future seconds, excuse me. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of trades cause I actually have a lot of shares of, uh, of Russell Gage in dynasty and, you could definitely the offers that I'm getting are right on par with that. I haven't pushed the button yet because nah, I'll, I'll keep that value all day. Love it. Uh, Gabe Davis is another one. How we've Love talked that. about this before. He's got a, like, there's a ton of targets out there. The bills pass more than anyone else in the NFL. Cole Beasley. We know what that situation is. <laughs> I mean, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, pretty old, starting to get banged up a little bit. And someone, they're going to double digs. Like defenses are going to have more of an answer for digs this season than they did last season. Uh, so there's going to have to be someone else there. I assume that when they push the ball down the field a little bit more, it's going to be Davis. Although back to your Moss point, like if defenses find a way to cover Allen a little bit more, it could lead to more checkdowns, which could be great for a guy like Moss. Um, Chase Claypool is someone that I'm targeting in all leagues. It seems like I don't understand why he's not being thought of as a guy who is in that, not quite the CD land, but like the second year breakout guys, even like a T Higgins type, like Claypool was just as good as Higgins and more productive in the red zone. And he's only going to have a bigger role this year. I don't understand why he's not comparable in terms of ADP. 
Um, I just think he's a special guy. And the list of guys who have caught t- 10 touchdowns as a rookie is like insane. It's like all the best. It's like Odell and Calvin Ridley, and, like all these in- amazing players. Uh, so I just think that he's someone that I want to bet on across all leagues. And if I'm wrong, I'm Chase Claypool. Okay, whatever. I'll eat it. Yeah. I don't care. No, you're not. I don't think you're going to be wrong on Chase Claypool. I was fortunate to scoop him up in Scott Fishbowl. I definitely have tons of shares of him in in dynasties, and I'm going to be tar- I'm going to be targeting him in in redraft as well because I think he's going to probably emerge as, if not the one one A one B, it's going to be him and Deontay Johnson. I don't I don't foresee Juju Smith Schuster stepping into any bigger of a role that he had last year, and I think we saw both of those guys emerge. Like if Deontay Johnson didn't have stone hands. He would have had so many more fantasy points and Chase Claypool just made the most out of his fantasy opportunities. And I think we're going to see him be the, the biggest red zone threat that they're going to have outside of Najee Harris. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's, let's head over to the tight ends. My favorite position in all football. Uh, who you got <laughs> TJ Hawkinson, man, that's, that's the guy. And I think that that's literally the only guy that Jared Goff is going to throw the ball to. Um, so I like Hawkinson and then also Dallas Goddard. I think his value is probably dropping just a bit because Zach Ertz is getting a little bit of love. Don't buy it. I think I think Dallas Goddard is going to be the tight end to own in fantasy redraft leagues and in fantasy in general. I think right now he's ranked number seven um, in fantasy fantasy pros consensus rankings. But I wouldn't be surprised if he could creep up into that six five range if he sees the volume that, um, you know, Jalen Hurts he's, he's down some weapons. I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense in the passing game. I mean, I couldn't agree with you anymore on Hawkinson. You know that's my guy. I've taken him in pretty much every league at this point or tried to trade to. him. Uh, or tried or to trade for him in leagues where I don't have him in dynasty formats. Uh, look, Goff doesn't have anyone else to throw to. I actually think that's why I, I'm a little bit higher on DeAndre Swift than other people. Uh, but uh, Hawkinson is going to be the guy there. I think that he has a very similar upside to what Darren Waller had last year. Like That's my expectation is that he'll produce that sort of season – Maybe not quite as dynamic in terms of scoring touchdowns or breaking off big plays, but something very similar to uh, Waller's production last year. Uh, the two guys very, down... Very reliable safety blanket, for sure. Absolutely. The two guys down the board that I'm looking at, Adam Troutman, who is now some, somehow the number one wide receiver for the Saints. <laughs> Crazy uh, how that turned how that turned around, man. Which is unbelievable. And it, I'm kind of basing this on my expectation that Taysom Hill is going to end up being the starting quarterback here. And... I think that Taysom is going to look for for Troutman more than Winston. Um, and my last guy here is Gerald Everett uh, because he's coming over with the Shane Waldron, who's the OC from the Rams, who's now the or sorry, he was a he was an assistant with the Rams. Now he's the OC with Seattle, bringing in that new offense. Apparently, reports out of camp say that he knows the offense better than anyone, including Russell Wilson. And there's not a whole lot of competition at tight end in Seattle. And they've been looking for a third pass catcher outside of Lockett and DK Metcalf. So there's a real big opportunity, especially if they end up passing the ball more. Like they keep saying, let Russ cook. They tried to do it last year, work for a while. I think they're going to try and double down on it a little bit this year. Uh, And I think that Everett could be the recipient of a lot more volume than people think. So a guy that's going... Sometimes undrafted, sometimes really late, uh, could be end up being a top ten tight end this season. Yeah, I think Troutman's someone that you could definitely select as a late round flyer in in redraft. Whereas Jared Everett, I think Jared Everett, I think will eventually be like one of those streaming guys that 
you you pick up in a bind someone got hurt and the next thing you know you found your tight end for the rest of the season so um both guys are, are probably pretty low on the redraft list so if you strike out on the big guys you know one of my dudes was was Johnu Smith actually was is kind of in the same tier as like Adam Troutman uh, Troutman um mainly because like right now like Hunter Henry's already hurt and the dude's always hurt so to me even though Cam Newton can't throw the ball he's a freak and we already saw him lined up in the backfield taking carry so I don't know what the hell Belichick is planning to do with Johnu but at tight end 10 I have him as tight end 10 I think fantasy pros has him at 12 I think that's a really good person you could wait on in the event that you don't get any of those top tier tight ends I actually have a question about your tight end tier before we get into the do not draft list. Yeah. What what's the tier that you consider like the the top tier where if you don't get one of these X guys, four or five, six guys, you're just waiting until the end? Because obviously the strategy with tight ends is kind of like quarterback, where you either get one of the guys or you wait till the end. Uh, right. I'm just wondering kind of what your what the cutoff is there for you. Yeah, so my tiers go pretty much Travis Kelsey. And then there's a second tier of Waller, Kittle, and I'll throw Hawkinson in that. Next one would be Pitts, Goddard, uh, Andrews, etc. It's really the the furthest down I'm going to probably go. I have four tiers. Fourth, fourth tier, we're talking like Evan Ingram. We're talking Adam Troutman. We're talking Gerald Everett. We're talking Tyler Higby's probably in the third tier-ish. But that's really when you're getting down to the scraps. And then everybody's in that tier four. No point in bringing out five because realistically, no one's really going to be picking anybody that deep. So, but yeah, I'd say like, let me actually look at it real quick. I think my last one goes to like, you know, the Eric Ebron's, the Anthony Fiskers, the, I'm not even going to go Dawson Knox. I mean, maybe Dan Arnold. I heard he's having a good camp, but I'm not relying on that. That's merely a dynasty flyer. So basically you're looking at the top two tiers or the top three no it would be the top two tiers so like the top, top four guys tiers. yep top two tiers yep so top four guys basically you'll take them in the first four rounds and then if you don't get any of them you're waiting and until you're yeah you're gonna go dumpster, dumpster diving got <laughs> yeah i got it i'm kind of i'm with you there uh pitts is the one but, that's kind of on the, yeah i was just gonna say pitts, question question for you yeah. are you paying up for those tight ends are you waiting for the gerald Everts of the world or the adam troutmans thus far i have done the Kelsey version, which is the first round version, but that's in keeper leagues where I've had running backs where I could keep where I didn't need a running back. Uh, And I've done the Hawkinson one a ton just because I think the fourth round, and if he's producing like Waller, who's a second round pick, I feel like I'm getting value there. You get a receiver Uh, at the position, right? Exactly. So I, and I think there's so much value in having a great tight end on a fantasy team. It's so much. And it's just like, as a manager, forget like the analytics of it, having the top three or four guys and how valuable they are just as a manager, knowing that you don't have to stream the crap out of tight ends and worry about that every single week. It, it is nice. It's, it's a little Dude, bit more relaxing. There's a hundred percent strategy to that. You're not wasting fab budget. You're not having to beat out people on waivers, staying up late at night to pick up a dude. Like I would just love to have that freedom to like set it and forget it with a, a decent top five, top set. I'll go top seven tight end in the league you just don't have to worry about it so basically i have punted on waller and kittle uh they just don't make sense to me second round i'd rather take best wide receiver on the board or best running back that's there uh kittle i just don't i don't know what the situation in san francisco is uh so it's a little harder to buy in on him i would rather just get the sure thing in or if not i see the 
Those are the two. Um, let's go to our do not draft list. So this one's kind of interesting. We'll run through it a little bit quicker, and then we'll get to some preseason stuff. Um, who do you like not taking at all at quarterback this year? Uh, quarterback, I don't really have too many. Like, I think it all depends on what falls to me. I'm not going to take anyone outside of, I think my line is going to stop at like Tom Brady. So once I start seeing the run go, like I'm not leaving without anything else, but Tom Brady at that point, like Matthew Stafford, I have, you know, pretty high, uh, right. in. I think he's right before him, Ryan Tannehill before him. So I think you have to get a decent quarterback. I'm not going to rely on someone like Tua or Baker Mayfield to steer the ship. I think that's living dangerously and sure you can play the matchups, but that's not a reliable solution for a viable fantasy team if you're expecting to compete into the long haul of an 18 week season like you want to have some stability at the quarterback position yeah i think in a 12 team redraft it's kind of hard to go wrong you know one of the top 12 guys and you're not really going to make a mistake there i don't think it's just what order they're taking in Mm -hmm. uh in terms of super flex you're talking about 24 starting quarterbacks and probably 36 getting drafted or something like that maybe more uh the guys that i'm kind of avoiding there Matt Ryan, even though the volume is going to be there, they're going to be playing from behind. Uh, I'm just a little bit worried about the turnover thing for him this year. Um, I mean, so how I, many times has Matt Ryan won, a, won you a fantasy championship in the last, I don't know, six years? Never. The, the MVPs? <laughs> no, the MVP season. The MVP year. That's true. That's true. He was good. But the rest, that. the rest, not at all. And that was mostly Kyle Shanahan. So that's okay. Right. Um, Like guys like Wentz, I'm not touching at all. Jameis Winston, I'm not touching at all. Although, Taysom maybe because of the rushing floor, but probably not. Tua, trash Tua. I'm not. I'm not touching him. Uh, Spaghetti arm Tua. Yeah, I'm not touching him. But yeah, quarterbacks not really the ones that you're trying to avoid that much. Is just what order you're trying to get them in. How about at uh, running back? How about running? Oh, I got plenty. I got plenty of running backs though. David Johnson want no parts of him ever again. Old. And he's has he's on my list competition. Is he? All right. Yeah, he's on my list. <laughs> the second one, Melvin Gordon. Same thing. He's like, on my just... list. <laughs> <laughs> but they just have to be. Um, but uh, this one might be uh I'll get to this guy first, but Trey Sermon's another one. I think his ADP is creeping up to like in the 30s. I don't really get it, mainly because I don't know what you can project out of any 49ers running back. Like most are still there. I'm not saying that he's great, but he's still going to get carries. And then they bring over, they bring over Wayne Gallman. So to me, I'm just like, nah, I don't even want to have to deal with it. Cause literally Jarek McKinnon, Mostert and Tevin Coleman were all relevant for some sort of time. So like, I don't even want the headache. This one I'm fading is miles Sanders. I think that that's probably the biggest name one. And it hurts me as an Eagles fan to say that, but I just, I got, I can't deny that reading these beat writers saying that, Kenneth Gainwell has been the most active in the past game. And I also read that Boston Scott is going to be splitting carries with him throughout the season. Then they'll ride the hot hand. Now, even if that's just smoke, it still indicates to me that all both of those two other guys are having decent enough camps to get mentioned. If they were having, if they were bums, they wouldn't have been mentioned by the head coach. So I don't know at the ADP Miles Sanders is going right around David Montgomery and some other guys that can give you plenty of volume without much competition in the backfield. I'm kind of staying clear from Miles Sanders right now. That's an interesting one. I haven't heard that in very many places. So that's that's valuable knowledge uh, to know right now, especially from an Eagles fan. So uh, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> um, 
The guys that I'm kind of looking at here. So you mentioned David Johnson. Okay. I'm with you there. Melvin Gordon. I'm with you there. The The biggest name guy that I'm going to say, and I've said it all off season is Zeke. Uh, and I, I just, I'm fading Zeke. I'm all on the Tony Pollard bandwagon. That's my guy. <laughs> I know that Zeke, Zeke looked good in, in hard knocks and I'm all over Dak and, and CD lamb. So you'd, you'd think I'd be high on Zeke. I'm just not, I, I think that the mileage is, is going to wear on him at some point. Uh, it's a little, it's a reason why I'm a little hesitant with Derrick Henry also, but I'm not going to put him there because mm-hmm. he's a, he's not a human being. Zeke is a human being. So <laughs> I, I'm work versus n- normal mortal. <laughs> exactly. I, 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 so I'm a little worried about uh, Zeke this year. He would be someone that I'm fading. Now, if you get into a situation where I get, get him at 12. Okay. I'll take Zeke. Six, seven, eight picks. I, I'm fading him there. Um, the the thing I want to mention, actually, you were talking about San Francisco, was I actually think that there's a chance, and I don't know how good of a chance this is, but I think that Elijah Mitchell, who's the other running back they drafted this year, it's totally possible that he ends up with the most fantasy points for running backs for San Francisco because that's just how Kyle Shanahan works. So I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. If you're doing San Francisco, the best thing that you can do is just wait until the wait for the waiver wire. Someone's going to get injured at the top and then immediately grab the next guy because they'll put up 20 <laughs> points a game. It might only right. be for two weeks, but like I in the FSGA league last year, we literally won because we had Jeff Wilson as our Jeff RB2 Wilson, at the end of the season. The yeah. hero. Mm-hmm. He was a monster. He put up 25 points a game at exactly what we needed in the playoffs, but he wasn't on our roster for 14 weeks. Like, nope. that's all you do with San Francisco. Just grab the guys off the waiver wire. That's how you're going to win with San Francisco. All right, let's move over to uh, wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, kind of run through this a little bit quickly. I'll go th- yeah. for mine first. Uh, Michael Thomas, for obvious reasons. I don't even know if he's going to play for the Saints this year. I actually came up with a fun fake trade, which was C.J. Henderson and D.J. Shark uh, for Michael Thomas. Uh, I kind of hope it happens. But he's going to be out for six weeks probably, uh, if not longer. So just don't trust him. And also, like, the quarterback situation is so dicey there. I-, I want no part of Michael Thomas, even if you get him in, like, the 10th round. Like, I'm not, I- I'm, it's just, not worth Just don't worry. Pick. Don't worry about, don't worry about it. it. Uh, the other guy I mentioned in that trade, DJ Shark, because I think he's the third banana and maybe fourth, depending on how they use uh, ETN. Um, mm-hmm. I would rather have LaVisca or Marvin Jones over Shark. And Shark's still getting drafted, I think, on name alone, like kind of high. So I, yeah. I'm on a total pass there. The last one, actually, a couple more I'll run through really quickly. Kenny Galladay. I just have issues with Daniel Jones and how many mouths are to feed there. Unless his red zone production is insane, I don't really believe in him at his current ADP. Odell, I love Odell as a player. I just don't think there's going to be enough passing volume there. And like too many injuries. And again, his name is so big that people are going to buy into him early. I would kind of wait on that one. Hollywood Brown for the Ravens. I just don't want any Ravens pass catchers. Like They're just too hard to play. They give me heart palpitations. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> the last one, and I didn't think that I would say this, because I love this player, especially in Dynasty. He's like my favorite receiver coming out of college ever was Jamar Chase. Because every report out of training camp has been that he's been not good at all. He's clearly the third best, maybe fourth best wide receiver there because Auden Tate apparently has looked excellent. Joe Burrow's not quite back, I guess, yet. The reports out of campus, he's not good, as we mentioned earlier. And there's too many good mouths to feed there. Like T. Higgins is awesome. Tyler Boyd's a really productive receiver. If you're not getting out of breaks and creating separation, like 
Burrow can force feed you all you want because you were teammates, but he's going to throw to the open guy. So yeah. I would rather buy in on Higgins and Boyd at this point and fade Chase. Now, the thing about Chase that I think is kind of maybe like maybe how Higgins was a little bit last year. He was kind of terrible at the beginning of the season, and then he came on strong late because he picked up the offense. I think Chase is someone maybe you buy midseason when he gets up to speed, but I, I'm not drafting him right now where his ADP is. Yeah, I like what you said there. I think that's a great that's a great point of strategy is to when to when to anticipate those breaks or when people are actually going to get more opportunity. I think if Jamar Chase is struggling in camp, it's not a surprise. He's a rookie. Most rookies struggle to, to capture the playbook or maybe they miss some plays. So eventually you got to go for the foundation, which is T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd is extremely valuable right now because he's probably left on waivers in a lot of redraft leagues. And he clearly had a rapport with Joe Burrow. So I, I tend to agree with you. Like I, I was actually going to fade Jamar Chase as well. Dynasty, I love him, but not redraft, not initially at least. Rashad Bateman, same thing. He's going through some soft tissue issues. John Harbaugh, or uh, yeah, John Harbaugh just already said that he's going to be out weeks, not months, but eh, don't want to have to deal with the Ravens wide receivers. I'm out on Amari Cooper, man. I think this is going to be CeeDee Lamb's show. I don't want to pay for the ADP of, of Amari Cooper. Yeah, he had 90 receptions last year. Great season, but I don't think it's going to be a, a, a duplicate this year. And then I'm going to go with Will Fuller. I just can't trust that dude, man. Like, he got the bag over the summer, but he can't stay healthy. He's already hurt. He had to take PEDs to stay healthy. No point in drafting that guy. I don't care how good of a deep threat he is. And last guy I'll say is Antonio Brown. He had a great resurgence with the Bucks, but honestly, there's just way too many targets to compete with in Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay has a pretty good schedule. I could see them going up in a lot of games and then just pounding the rock with Ronald Jones, who I think is actually a really good, you know, RB two there. If you can, if you, if it's a way for a running back, but yeah, Antonio Brown has got to compete with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans and so forth. Like I'm out. It's cool. He's a good wide receiver. He'll probably have his moments and, and hit his spots, but not enough to sustain fantasy value throughout the, the course of the season. Yeah. Love a lot of those uh, tight ends really quickly. It, Logan Thomas is one that I'm definitely fading. I just think that Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin are going to get a lot, a bulk of the volume there. And Antonio Gibson's going to get balls, more balls out of the backfield. Uh, and Thomas, I, I'm just not, I'm, I'm unsure of his connection with Ryan Fitzpatrick to justify the fact that he's the 10th uh, tight end off the board right now. Uh, the other two quickly, Blake Jarwin, who I've mentioned before, I, who I loved last year. I think that Dalton Schultz is the tight end one there pretty clearly now. And there's a lot of mouths to feed again there. So I, I wouldn't bank on Jarwin in any way. And Robert Tanyan, just because his catch rate last year was 88%. So his touchdown rate was crazy. Also, Aaron Rodgers' touchdown rate was like the highest, one of the highest in NFL history is 9.1%. Like that's just not happening again. So I would be kind of fading actually a lot of Packers uh, receivers outside of Devontae Adams, even though Rodgers is back. So Tanyan, no, I'm not paying for you. You're out. I wasn't even sure there was other, any other receiver besides Devontae Adams on the yeah. Packers at this rate. Like, who cares if Randall Cobb's coming back? Like, <laughs> Devontae is getting all this, is soaking up all the targets. Uh, my tight end, honestly, man, I don't have any shares, and I don't plan on getting any shares of George Kittle. He struggles to, to stay healthy the last two seasons. He missed three games two years ago, and he missed um, eight games last year. So he can't stay healthy. He's going to cost you a lot of draft capital, and I think you could wait on someone like Hawkinson maybe a round or two later 
and get better production, more consistent production than George Kittle. So yeah, I'm out on I'm out on George Kittle in uh 2021. I love that one. I mean, I don't because I like Kittle as a player, but I'm totally right. with you on the value part. All right. Uh final thing today. Preseason starts tomorrow night, Thursday for real. The Hall of Fame game, whatever, it doesn't really count. Uh are there any things that you're specifically watching for? And are there players that you're watching for going in? Like for me, I'm like focusing on QB battles, like especially all the rookie QBs and then all the backup running backs. Like those are the two things, especially for fantasy, like that I think are relevant that I'm going to be watching for. But how about you? Yeah, I would tend to agree, man. I think the, the QB battle in, in San Francisco, even though it's not considered a battle, I'm really curious to see how Trey Lance plays as well as the Chicago. I want to see Justin Fields actually put it together in a game setting where he, there's actually some pressure and some eyes on him to perform. But I think that that's really going to, set the the fantasy landscape um it's really gonna make it interesting to see like if we can get these mid-tier guys or like even zach wilson i mean maybe he shows out and has a really good really good showing in preseason and he actually becomes some kind of a fancy viable player that you may want to consider if you're in a bind or streaming situation but yeah ultimately man i'm gonna be looking for the position battles at quarterback running back hopefully there's no significant injuries but obviously we're gonna be on it talking about it if there are and and who might be the biggest beneficiary of of somebody's misfortunes. I, I think that all five rookie quarterbacks, the first are, are worth watching and I'll be paying close attention to all of those guys. Uh, there's two other quarterback battles that I think are really interesting that I'll probably be watching for. The first Jameis. one is yeah. Taysom versus Jameis. The first time we get to see it. And I assume they're going to play like a lot and they're playing against the Ravens who are notorious for being, preseason monsters like they cover like no other in terms of against the spread uh john harbaugh brings it in uh in the preseason so i'm excited they're gonna play like a real defense we might actually get to see like who's the guy uh for the saints so that's actually really important for fantasy reasons and then the other one is the indie backup role i was really excited about this before carson Wentz maybe was coming back but just the absolute trash of seeing jacob eason <laughs> jacob eason and sam ellinger battling it out to be the week one starting quarterback <laughs> against the Seahawks. I mean, come on, that's juicy stuff. That's what we're here for. That's what preseason's all about. Oh, yeah. I mean, is any part of you want to see Jameis Winston win out this QB battle just so we can see a press conference every week when what he has to say? Because this guy's been pure gold all offseason. Between that... We, we could be eating some W's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, I, I want to see it so bad. But yeah, it's going to be great, man. I'm so glad football's back, man. And uh, yeah, we're going to have plenty of content, more conversation definitely in the weeks to come. So buckle up, guys. going to get real very soon. Happy drafting. It's going to be a, a great, great fantasy football season. Happy drafting to everybody. Dan, thank you so much for joining us, and we will uh, talk to you soon.